Welcome to the Community Group Leadership Podcast, where we help community group leaders become better together. I'm Tyler Cherneski, and as a reminder, our goal on this podcast is to share with you some best practices, resources, and stories from across our campuses regarding community groups to help you grow as a leader. Today, we'll be chatting about something that might feel a touch heavy, uh, but I also think is certain to be uh, something you experience in your group if you spend any length of time in group life, and that is conflict. Um, Specifically, we're going to be asking what happens when relationships break down in groups, what happens when group members can't get along, uh, what are some risks in conflict, what are some opportunities in conflict, uh, and what are healthy attitudes and postures to embrace as a leader when conflict erupts in a group. And friends, to answer some of these questions and dialogue about them, uh, I have with me someone I respect immensely. As someone who works as a professional counselor, she brings with her a wealth of wisdom uh, related to interpersonal realities and also someone uh, who has the privilege uh, or maybe we should say uh, bears the burden of being my community group leader. So I, uh, I am in group with the person we're talking about today. It is okay. Kelly McKinney from our downtown campus. Seriously, Kelly, so glad that you are here. Thank you. And Kelly has with her, you all are, are listening. I know you can't see it, but her sweet baby buddy, Ethan, is here. And he is just munching on a banana right now. Mm-hmm. We'll, see, uh, we'll see how it goes during the rest of the pod. Big bite. Woo. Yes. Uh, we'll see how it goes the rest of it. But he's... Uh, they're together. We love Kelly, her husband, David, and Ethan, love being in group with them. And so it's fun to have him here with us today. Maybe he has some great thoughts about conflict in group as well. Yeah, he's an observer. So he <laughs> he's probably seen some things. Very, very <laughs> observant. Um, so Kelly, we do have some questions for you. Thank you again mm-hmm. yeah, for agreeing for to me. be here um, and walk us through this. So I'd love to know, man, it feels like conflict in groups uh, is almost inevitable. It's just Mm going to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, what would you say are some of the primary sources of conflict in groups? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Tyler. um, And, you know, sadly, um, or just realistically, conflict is inevitable. I think there are definitely ways to minimize it at the start. Um, But to kind of start at the source um, per your question, some of those primary pieces um, that we've experienced, my husband and I, as we've led groups um, at Christ Community and at other churches over the last really nine, 10 years, um, some of the things we have seen that have caused contention um, in our groups are people who have a tendency to dominate conversation, people who are silent and don't share anything, people who consistently come late or unprepared, um, or don't show up for more than half the time of the group. Um, you know, all of those things affect the overall experience of a group and the dynamics within that group. So when those things are in place, some people feel silenced, uh, resentment can build, Um, And general hostility, which always leads to conflict. Um, And even as I was thinking through this, kind of on a a, with a therapeutic lens, just thinking about some other reasons that hostility can come up, um, people project. So if there's somebody in the group that reminds them of, you know, this person that's hurt them in the past, uh, they can project those negative things onto that person and into that group. Um, and of course, any sort of trauma, any sort of hurts from the past being applied to new people, new situations, even though it's different, uh, you know, that, that happens often. Uh, and so those distortions can really create this kind of underlying subversive conflict that you may or may not even be aware of. Um, and just one little thing, I know that 
you know, Christ's community, I feel like, does a really great job of having these on, on ramps and off ramps um, between groups. But, you know, when people struggle with that tardiness, when they struggle with being absent um, in the group as a whole, there are studies in group therapy that show that um, when people actually don't show up, when they have poor attendance, they're really unlikely to get any benefit at all. Um, and of course, they're likely to drop out. And that might be intuitive. Like, of course, they wouldn't get much of a benefit. But it's fascinating to see um, how some people will continue to want to be a part of a group um, and then become resentful and create conflict uh, within the group or specifically toward the group leaders because they're not getting anything out of it. So then the group leader becomes a scapegoat. That is so fascinating, Kelly. So my mind, uh, I mean, I knew this would be the case because you always bring so much great wisdom. My mind is really going right now thinking about, um, I mean, in my mind, causes of conflict in groups or personality clashes, it's other things, but just your discussion about how even unmet expectations of group, or I thought I was going to get this out of it, or that you were going to be here this many times, or it was going to be meaningful for me and it's not, mm -hmm. is another source of conflict in group. I mean, that is a oh, big yeah. paradigm shift for me. And you're so right. I mean, the like you said, maybe the projecting or the personality con uh, tension issues, it's like, okay, that makes sense. And mm -hmm. we... I might have come into this room assuming that would be some of the dialogue, but you've really, mm -hmm. you got me fascinated thinking about these other sources of conflict in group. That is sure. so smart. Sure. So, so smart. Yeah. And I'm sure other leaders too have felt that when it's like, man, these people may or may not be here. These group members are, they're kind of in, they're kind of out, they're coming, they're not mm -hmm, coming. Mm -hmm. And now, wow, why are they so upset even though they haven't been around? That's fascinating. Right. That it might be disappointment and did I even get much out of this group? I mean, that... Yeah. Wow. Thank you already. I'm mine is good. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's just helpful as a group leader not to just take all of that on yourself and think, what did I do? How did I fail? How did I miss them? Uh, because in a lot a lot of times, not always, uh, there's obviously there's so much room to grow as a leader. David and I continue to grow as leaders every session as we, you know, make mistakes or, you know, see things that worked really well. Um, but there is you know, you, you have to be aware of like, this isn't mine, this is theirs and trying to differentiate some of that. Um, when, when you are, you are more likely because you're a leader to be the object of people's resentment. If things don't go well. Gosh, that you are more likely as the leader to be the object of people's resentment when things don't go well. That is so true. Um, it's also, I'm sure, I mean, I know, so, so difficult. So leaders listening, um, just know that we know that as a reality as kind of a pastoral staff. And thank you uh, for your willingness even to step into leadership uh, and care well for groups, even though that really, I mean, you're right, Kelly, that's 100% right. Uh, you can very easily become the object of someone's frustration if you are the designated uh, group leader. Um, so when, so when conflict erupts, we talked about, okay, it can be inevitable. Here are some primary sources. When it happens, uh, what are some ways we can engage it healthily? What are ways we can maybe minimize mm -hmm. kind of risks of bigger issues developing when conflict comes? Mm -hmm. Any thoughts there? Yeah, well, just to kind of touch first on that minimization piece, I know one of the things that, um, again, my husband David and I, one of the things that we try to incorporate um, every session, um, and especially if anybody knew um, is coming into the group is to go over a list of norms and expectations. I think that's one of the, that's something we learned early on after a really, really difficult situation at a previous church um, was that our assumptions of the way we thought group ought to operate were not everyone else's. Um, and we would observe how people would interact with each other and it would just kind of kill the group. And so 
we amassed a list of, of norms and, um, again, just expectations, what the way, and I'm sometimes even spelling it out. Like, um, we haven't done this. I know, you know, and Tyler's in our group. Um, we haven't done this recently, but, you know, just setting this norm at the end of our group of, um, you know, the last 30 minutes is prayer. And we tell everybody what we want to do is have one person share. And then somebody else asks permission to pray for them. And that might seem silly, but it's like, it's so meaningful to have somebody intentionally say, can I pray for you right now? And not just have a general prayer at the end or a thank you for sharing. We'll pray later. I mean, we've just seen how that can even cultivate, um, you know, deeper community and connection. So that is even like that specific. It's not all that specific, but, um, you know, it can be as far as what we present at the start so that people have an awareness about their expectations for behavior, for, you know, showing up and being prepared or um, even when people share hard things, not to share a story about yourself. That's something we we often say, Um, even though it might feel like you're connecting with them, you're actually uh, taking the spotlight off of their uh, story and putting it on you. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but all that to say, that is definitely a huge piece, um, a preventative piece to prevent a lot of unnecessary frustrations, resentment, hostility, and conflict. Yeah, I, I know. And so one of the reasons we haven't done probably the norms as frequently is we've had such a kind of stable group for mm-hmm, a while where right. there is maybe a strong culture of this is how we do things here. But I know that laying out that culture, I'm imagining maybe new groups or forming groups or groups that have a lot of that turnover, mm-hmm. um, even though it might feel like such a buzzkill to do in an early session, or why do we want to spend so much time, you know, delineating how we're going to do things. And mm-hmm. and we can all just pray, right? We don't have to talk about how we want to pray. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like, I, I know it feels that way. And gosh, that's probably my personality disposition too, is mm-hmm. like, we'll figure it out as it comes. Uh, but man, I think you're right. There is such benefit um, to having that listed up front in terms of when there are either expectations broken or disappointment that comes mm-hmm. along the way be like, well, we had, you know, we laid this out. What do you think now? I mean, it's, you're so right. It yeah. just frequently feels like something I know I've in the past wanted to speed through, or mm. it'll be more natural if we don't define it. Right. And then it's just like, until there's the conflict, yeah. then you're like, I wish I would have, well, you know, and something that David and I, um, will also do is like, we share the vision behind it. It's not for the sake of, I don't want to hear your story, like when someone else shares a story, but it's more, you know, we, we do have a desire to actually cultivate rich community in our group. That is our hope. That's why we do this. Um, you know, we don't, we haven't committed to doing this for our health. Trust me. Cause actually we've had very bad health, (laughs) um, frankly, but, uh, yeah. So it's definitely something that, um, has been tremendous to to share the vision as to why we're doing some of the things we're doing. Yeah. Well, and one of the reasons I was so excited talking about you today is that you and David, I think, do have such a good sense of like a responsibility that a group leader can hold in terms of, yeah, we're responsible for cultivating the you know, the culture in this group, we're responsible for, you know, organizing different things that happen within this group, a high sense of responsibility that I really admire. Um, When it comes to a conflict erupting into group, I mean, Mm -hmm. and you already Mm -hmm. hinted at it, there's some things leaders should own, shouldn't own, uh, but would love to hear your thoughts about what's a good yeah, disposition and conflict as it relates to, hey, I'm the leader in this group, there's Mm -hmm. some conflict emerging, what Mm -hmm. are some things I need to have on my mind? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as I was thinking 
through just this idea of conflict in general in groups, one of the things that I kept coming back to, which is also, um, you know, something as a therapist that I am mindful of, um, and I, I try to diminish, but will always be there, is the power differential. So regard, you know, like, you know, for example, even, you know, I have Tyler, a pastor in yeah. my group. Um, and so there can be this element of one up, one down yep. um, as far as like, you know, oh, well, Tyler's above me because he's a pastor. Um, but at the same time, there's still power differential that you still kind of defer to David and I. Um, yeah. And so whether we want that there or not, it's there. And because of that, the onus is on us as the leaders to pursue members when conflict is suspected. Um, I think there's, it's never a bad idea if you suspect there's something going on, just ask. Uh, because when you don't and that isn't um, addressed, and let's say there is something there, then it can fester and it can get pretty messy. Um, Gosh, Kelly, that yeah. phrase, <laughs> think of how you're challenging or growing me even now. Uh, the difference between moving towards someone when conflict occurs and when conflict is suspected, mm. that is just <laughs> probably my personal takeaway <laughs> from this whole interaction so far. Holy cow, that is so good. I mean, because that seems like very intentional language you just use. It's a leader's respons move, uh, responsibility to move towards a member when conflict is suspected. Right. So it hasn't hasn't erupted in the middle of group yet. Uh, right. It hasn't, you know, there's not whatever, some fire burning in the corner. Now it's mm -hmm. just like, oh, I suspect it feels like you might be, is there something? Right. I mean, is that what you're saying? That's totally, brilliant. That's totally. brilliant. And, and it is hard because I know um, even, and again, you've been in my group. I know the last two years for me, I've been sort of emotionally absent. I had a yeah. kiddo. There were a lot of health problems. Yeah. And so, um, and even putting my child down at the start of group, um, yeah. you know, I was gone for a lot of it and I missed a lot of stuff. And I think there was an impact that yeah. I didn't even, I was not privy to um, either. Yeah. Um, I know one thing, so, you know, you, you had asked, you know, well, what do you do when there is conflict? You, yeah, you you've totally. essentially asked that kind of twice. Um, and I haven't <laughs> answered it. Um, you know, here's, here's the thing. When, when I think about conflict resolution in groups, I think it's always best if it is a general group dynamic, if you can do, if you can address it in a way without shaming somebody, mm. because some, you know, defenses go up immediately and you don't want to shame anybody. They'll shut down. Um, then I would say address it. If it's in a group context, it's okay to do that. If behaviors are repetitive um, and they're destructive, I will say this. This is a, something that David and I learned in a very, very hard way. Um, it's mildly traumatic for us, but I learned that at the end of the day, I am a leader to a group, not a person. And for me, yes. I was, when we first started out, there was a person that slowly destroyed the group. Um, and people would individually come up to me and say, Kelly, I'm starting to struggle with anger now. And I'm like, okay, like, well, I was struggling with anger, but I thought it was just me feeling some of this stuff. Um, so David and I decided we needed to have a private conversation with this person. Um, and, and it didn't go well. Um, and I didn't want to have a conversation with them, honestly, because I was like, they're going to leave our group. And they did. Um, and that, you know, God's in charge of that. But we did what we felt like was what was in the best interest of the group. And sometimes that can mean people will leave. Yeah. Um, and that, again, if you are acting in as much integrity and getting outside input and support, which we did, we sought out our pastors and processed yeah. with them and had their blessing about how we were going to go about this. Um the results are not up to you. Yes. 
gosh, Kelly, all the good. I am a leader of a group, not a leader of a person. That is a a massive paradigm shift probably for some folks listening, but you're right. I mean, it's so critical to embrace that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's something even I'd say in a pastoral role, you know, we got to remember it's, uh, we love every single person that comes in our church. Sure, sure. And we also were, we're kind of responsible for that caring family piece that we mention all the time in our mm-hmm, mission statement, you mm-hmm. know, where it's like, man, as much as I love, I want to do everything for this individual in our church. Right. Uh, Boundaries are that important. Whole, yeah. And yeah. have to have that whole church portrait, both on, again, kind of this macro level, but then, like mm-hmm. you said, even down kind of onto the, the group level. Yes. And it's, it is hard because we live in the Midwest. We have this polite culture. Um, I'm not from the Midwest, and I am a very assertive and direct individual. Um, so it does make me want to stab my eye with a fork sometimes. But, um, but here's the thing. I mean, we live in a society that does avoid conflict. Um, conflict is viewed as negative. It's viewed as violent and destructive. And I will say I've had you know, conversations with people that have previously been in some of my groups. And, and the response was, can we just move on? Mm. And it's like, gosh, like to me, it actually, it, it's, it makes me so sad when those things happen because there's no opportunity for true reconciliation. And when conflict is actually resolved, it can develop the, the group to become more mature mm. and it can create a deeper sense of belonging and connection and so when, when we just rush over it, and again, some of this is on the, th- uh, not the therapist, on the group leader, yeah. um, but of course it takes two. And yeah. if conflict is not going to be entered into with any element of reciprocity, then it, it actually is not achievable. Hmm. So say more about, so it sounds like there's even an opportunity in conflict when it's pursued well or resolved well, that it can bring, I mean, something good in a group, mm. is that? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it is... Conflict is one of the most beautiful things um, when it is resolved. And I think because, I mean, and here's the thing too, my whole life I've been the conflict person. Oh, Kelly, you're good at that. Why don't you <laughs> handle it? I hate conflict. <laughs> yeah. I really do. I, I, it's like, I know what to do, but it's still so uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable because we've all experienced conflict where we've we've wanted something positive out of it and a relationship was destroyed. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, empathy is so key when you're engaging in conflict, trying to empathize with the other person that you might be, um, you know, pursuing about an issue and um, timing is so important, but, but so is assertiveness and being direct and clear um, so that, you know, the person knows what the problem actually is um, and can do something to change it. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear, friends, but Ethan has found a tub of toys here at the downtown campus nursery, and it is adorable. He's also getting in a purse. It's great. He's absolutely loved it. Kel, I mean, you really, Kel, absolutely brilliant being able to walk through all this and wrangle just an act of doing an afternoon. <laughs> loving it. Absolutely loving it. Any kind of yeah final thoughts uh, as it relates to conflict and group stuff that you would hope uh, leaders at Christ Community would know as it relates to leading well in the midst of conflict in their groups? Yeah, you know, I I guess I would say create a vision for yourself about what you want your group to look like. And then, you know, think about those expectations, those norms that will get you to that place. And then be honest and open and willing to have hard conversations. Be prayerful about it. The spirit can lead and soften and open ears. Um, And, you know, if you're not very good at it and you're the person you are leading with is, 
then solicit them to do the talking. You know, there are honestly a lot of times where I'm like, David, you're a lot nicer sounding. Why don't you do it? Um, But I think conflict is inevitable. It doesn't have to become an irreconcilable issue Mm. um, if it is dealt with quickly. And and again, sometimes you may not know, um, and then it could be too late, but that's where it's also helpful to recognize what is my responsibility, what is my issue, and what is not. So it's it's tough, but it's, you know, if it, it can be amazing. Kelly, thank you so, so much uh, for being with us today and for all your great ideas. There really is a lot that I will be taking with me. One of those uh, big ideas is the fact that we need to run towards conflict when it is suspected. That is huge. Key, key, key idea. Uh, the fact that group leaders are responsible for kind of a whole group, not just one individual. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be thinking, I can tell already, probably a lot um, tonight moving on about the idea that there's something beautiful about conflict when it's resolved. Mm. That is mm-hmm. just, I mean, such a line. You know, I love that. But so true yeah. that you're right, that when um, when we do take the big risks, when we engage conflict when it's suspected, when we move towards others and kind of do all the things you're saying, pray about it, you mm-hmm. know, seek wise mm-hmm. counsel, right. go together. It really can be beautiful on the other end. and doesn't have to be something that's mm-hmm. uh, avoided at all costs or paralyzing. Yeah. I mean, you might be the only person in these people's lives who is willing to have this hard conversation and they will respect you and love you for it. Come on. Come on. And <laughs> maybe true. I'm talking about myself no. here, but Sometimes I mean, we gotta it's, preach to each other. Yeah. it is. It's so true, especially in Christian circles where you, you don't want, you don't want to offend anybody. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And yeah. I think that's the, that's the, it's a crying shame to me when that ends up happening because you, sometimes the most loving thing you can do is engage in conflict in order to find that resolution. Yeah. Leaders, I hope you've enjoyed the richness of this conversation um, today. Thank you so much uh, for tuning back in. And may these thoughts about conflict and resolving it and engaging it and leading well in the midst of it uh, be something that breathes a whole lot of life into your groups. Uh, We hope to see you back again on the podcast.